1: Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage. It is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Horsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. This episode is dropping on Wednesday, August the 12th, and on Friday, August the 14th, the Titans will practice at training camp, open to the media. They practice for the first time on Thursday, but they will be observed for the first time on Friday which means that in this episode we're going to get to preview training camp something that we might not have thought was going to be a thing as recently as a few weeks ago but from what Mike Vrabel has said and what Taylor Lewan and several other players have said it is going to be a mostly normal training camp and so that's what I want to open with is talking about what needs to generally, not necessarily getting into position groups yet, but generally what needs to be accomplished in training camp. Before we do that, if you like our show and you want to follow us, you can do that on social media, Twitter and Facebook, at no Nonsense Pod. You can also subscribe to or follow the show for easier and faster access to all of our episodes. Guys, the Titans are not going to have a preseason this year. We know that. And as we have said several times, we don't think it's a big deal. However, it becomes a big deal if you don't use your practices like you usually would. Now, I asked Mike Vrabel, is this going to be a thing where you're kind of bouncing around and like, oh, let's distance and everything. And Mike Vrabel said, outside of distancing on the sideline when you're not in the play, the practices are going to, he expects them to look identical to like they would look in any other training camp. And Taylor Juan said the same sort of thing. He said, this is practice. We're not going to be tiptoeing around. He's like, we understand health concerns, but we've got to practice. we got to play football. So, with all of that being said, guys, what are you looking for in training camp, and what do you think is important for the Titans to get done, knowing that there will be no preseason, and they did not have any sort of ramp-up to this during the offseason?
2: Yeah, I I mean, we can say that it's going to be a somewhat normal, or or like as normal as it could be, training camp. But I don't, I don't think it it will be. Just this is a, a weird situation, a situation we've never been in, and I'm sure certain things will change. You know, and I I know they will practice as if, you know, as if it would be a normal game, but I'd like to see more practices that are eleven on eleven because most of the time I feel like. They do a lot of seven on seven, a lot of individual drills, a lot of, you know, uh, kind of walkthrough stuff. But without the preseason, you kind of need to get your timing down and your body ready also uh, to to like an actual game situation. So as much as they can simulate game situations in these practices, I I think it's going to be really crucial to them the momentum from last year and and getting off to a a good start this year which is something that they've struggled with pretty much forever you know I can't remember the last time we actually had a decent like a a hot start uh outside of like 2008 with Jeff Fisher so uh it'll be interesting to see if uh if if these types of practices actually contribute to uh, having a quicker start to the season
0: so I don't really know what you can do in the preseason without preseason games because you can't tackle. You can say you're going full speed, but nobody's really going full speed because they don't want to get hurt and they don't want to hurt anybody else. You know, back when the Titans did two days and Albert Haynesworth was getting into fights with people in camp and you had Vandenbosch and Carl Klug, like even up to those days, you know, you you could get something done because you were you know you had a lot of time you could really focus on stuff. I think it's gonna be mostly refining what we've already seen. I don't expect to see a bunch of development, but at the same time AJ Brown didn't practice or play in the preseason at all last year. You know, we've seen it happen with a bunch of rookies over the last few years. So maybe since you know this is the first time the Titans have really had continuity, it won't be a big deal. But I mean, I expect there to be a lot of contact because I think Vrabel knows there needs to be contact. I I don't know if that means you know ones versus twos and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that would be fun to watch. I think it would be informative, and I also think that's really the only way somebody's going to really take a starting job. But you know where we sit right now, I expect it to be active, but not maybe not as active as LaJuan thinks. You know,
1: it's an interest. You make a couple of interesting points, Will. Uh, number one being the continuity that they have is certainly going to help, and several players have talked about that. Uh, also, this idea of you know, even if they're going like a normal practice, you're still not getting tackled, and you're still not really going game speed. Uh, a couple things on that. Mike Vrabel had a quote a few weeks ago where he said you know, it would probably be a good thing. This almost a direct quote, I'm pretty sure. He said, it would probably be a good thing if Darrington Evans, like, were to get tackled before he actually plays an NFL game. He said, that's probably something we will want to do. And then he also brought up another point, which is, you know, kickoffs is something that is never, ever run full speed in practice because you've got literally these athletic freaks sprinting down the field full speed at this hapless dude, you know, you don't want any injuries to occur. But Vrabel made the point. He said, I don't want it to be like, you know, okay, we win the coin toss, we receive, and our, like, blockers for the return man get hurt because they're not used to the speed of the other team because they haven't done it yet. And so not only is there a, you know, mental preparation element to this, and like you know, like you talked about, Matias, getting your body uh, acclimated to game speed, but there's a health component to this, too. And it's you don't want to be shocked on the first day, especially a rookie or these younger guys that are going to be playing special teams. You don't want to be shocked to the point where you can't adjust and you end up not only hurting your team but hurting yourself physically.
2: That's, that's a real thing. And I have, like, a little personal anecdote because the first time I ever played tackle football, I was in high school – and everything was fine every time i practiced and all but the first game i was i had to like block on a run play and i got knocked on my butt man cuz i had no idea how quick the other team was how strong the other team was and how they were just going to come at me you know from the first snap And yeah, like that's a real that's a real thing, especially for a lot of these young guys who are coming from college and they've never actually gone up against a team full of the best college players, which is what an NFL team is. And it's definitely something uh, to to take into account with these practices. And that's why I said I wanted to see them do more game situations. I know you don't want to get hurt in these practices and usually you take it a little softer, like you kind of do in preseason games, but it's really important to get up to speed and, and get your body uh, accustomed to, to, you know, taking hits accustomed to, to running full speed and all that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, and there's things you can do to simulate, like you can have guy, I mean, I think what's going to happen in the end, whether they want to say it like this or not, but I think a lot of practice squad guys are going to have to get sacrificed. I mean, they're going to be told you got to run down full speed. It's a good point. If, he turn, if you if you turn if he turns around, you better go limp. Like you better let him knock you off your feet because if you give him any resistance and he hurts himself while we're trying to practice this, you know it's it's on you. Like I I, I feel like that'll be a big thing because I mean even in high school like that's that's kind of how they do it. You know you're not supposed to give a hundred percent because usually they want to run you through special teams four, five, six times, not necessarily back to back to back, but at a pretty good pace and it's hard to do that and it's not that doesn't simulate anything that actually happens in a football game. Like there's never a time where you kick the ball off six times in a row. So, you know, I I think this is where you're going to miss Darren Bates is this time where you really have somebody who can say like this is the speed we're going to go, you know, Everybody follow me. Like this is the intensity you need to have. But you know, I I, I don't I don't know how you simulate that. And the whole Darrington Evans thing, I think that's interesting because there's also a side point to that, which is what do you do with Derrick Henry? Because you can't have him go full speed because he'll concuss some of the defensive players. (laughs) Like, I mean, we've seen Darius Leonard eat knees, like, I mean, there's no there's no you know shifting gears like in calming down that stiff arm like if he's going full speed and he's going to stiff arm you've got to understand the toll that's going to take on your defense and you know the extra wear and tear you're putting on his body so are you going to give Darrington Evans all the snaps like are you going to let some practice squad running back get reps when it really doesn't matter like how do you rotate around that
2: Yeah, a lot of Dalen Dawkins carries, I I suppose. I wouldn't give Henry a lot of carries. Like, we've talked about him He doesn't need it. Yeah, that's the thing. We've talked about him in previous seasons where there has been pre-seasons, and we're just like, give him a couple of carries just to get into a rhythm, but then take him out because you don't want to put more tread, tread on his tires, and we've seen how crucial he is to the team, so you don't really want to take any of those
1: risks. And that's the thing, guys, like... We talk about the preseason, and if you've noticed, as we've had this discussion, we haven't mentioned, other than the comment I made about Darrington Evans, who's a rookie and he's never played before, we haven't mentioned like running back. And there are other positions that we probably would never mention if we continued this conversation. The preseason sure ha- does matter sometimes, but it's very positional. And running back is a position where it matters very little. Derrick Henry did not take a snap in the preseason in 2019. And I think that worked out just fine for him. Another thing, too, that I didn't even think about, Shane Bowen brought this up in one of his media availabilities, that because you know, there's no Dean Pease, there's a new defensive back coach, Anthony Midget, who took over for Kerry Combs, uh, the coaches have never worked together in their current roles, some of them, especially, you know, Frabel slash Bowen as the play callers and what have you, uh, with the headset system. And so that was one thing Bowen said and Vrabel echoed this on Tuesday is that whether it's an actual scrimmage that they have or whether they just simulate a game in some way, the coaches have got to, and Mike Vrabel even said, we want to get to Nissan Stadium and do this. They've got to get in a stadium with the surfaces and with the headsets and just run a game and get everybody on the same page. That's something that, Again, I would have never thought about but when Bowen brought that up, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense as something that you kinda have to do at some
2: point. Yeah, especially on the defensive side of the ball because there's been so many changes. I think on offense we're pretty sad just because there's there's a good amount of continuity. I don't there there really hasn't been that many changes. But yeah, on defense, especially with Dean P's gone. Uh, and with Brable and Bowen as the acting defensive coordinator system, which I don't I don't know what's going on there. But it, it, it is important to 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 get accustomed to that. And I just don't know I don't really know how this is all gonna play out. Like I don't know if coaches are gonna be sent up to the top like Dean Pease would call most of the games. I don't know if they're gonna be down With the players, I don't know if there's going to be socially distancing on the sidelines. Like I have no idea. This is such a rare situation, and until we kind of see it all play out, we really don't know what's going to happen.
0: And the weird thing to me, I guess, is with two, you know, quote-unquote defensive coordinators or whatever you want to call those two, how how do you decide who's calling plays? And I don't mean – I don't mean who's calling the plays. I mean, if you're trying to change something like let's say in all weekend practice, you said, we're going to run cover 2 We're going to do this, but you see that they're trying to split you up the seam and they're adjusting to move that who's supposed to call that out. Is it Bowen goes to Vrabel and Vrabel calls it over the mics? Is it, Bowen calls it as soon as he sees it, but you can't automatically do that because then if it's not right and you're not seeing what you think you're seeing, it's, it's all these little things that, you know, when they say they don't know how they're going to talk over the mics, it's not just like who's calling plays and what you want to do. It's like little things like, how do we adjust to this? You know, if Mike Vrabel's talking to the linebackers and Bowen's calling defensive, you know, play calls or sorry, if he's getting ready to set up the next series of plays he wants to see then, you know, what do you do in terms of who's looking at the – it's it's a whole weird situation. It's why I hate not having a named defensive coordinator because I think the less clarity that you have, the harder it makes things on game day. And especially with no preseason, I think the defense is going to suffer the most – which is kind of backwards of every other team in the NFL. So the Titans are in a unique situation inside of another unique
2: situation.
1: So this is interesting.
2: Who dis- is who is calling plays, man? Who is going to call I them? Don't, I don't know the thing. We have, we have no an idea. Yet. Um, yeah, it, 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 I don't think so
1: either. It, here's something I interesting on that note. Um, last year in 2019, I'm pretty sure the year before, but definitely last year, uh, Shane Bowen was an upstairs coach. He did not coach on the field. And I know that because I remember every time I would walk to my seat after warmups, I would pass him in the buffet line getting food before he walked into his booth. Um, so he is been up there in the past. So with the Titans, he, he is used to being in the box. So I could see that continuing this year, him being up there especially if he's going to have this role where I'm curious, because obviously Vrabel is going to be on the sideline. He has to be. Where are they going to put Jim Haslett? Because that's someone whose name, I don't know that his name has ever come up on our show, Uh, but he was hired as the replacement inside linebackers coach. He's a guy who has experience not only as a defensive coordinator, but as an NFL head
2: coach, if I'm not
1: mistaken, right?
2: Yeah. 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 He he has probably the most experience of anyone on the coaching staff.
1: And So you wonder – He's not going to call plays. I think that's out of the question. But you wonder, is he going to be on the sideline? or is he going to be upstairs? Uh, and I think that those are questions that probably should, and, and if I have anything to do with it, will be asked over the next few weeks. And they probably don't know the answers yet, but but I'd like to certainly see where their minds are and and, and kind of where they're standing on who's going to be on the field and who's going to be in the box. because. That's a big thing, I believe. I think there are a lot of little things that we make a big deal about during the preseason, and I don't think that's one of them. I think that's a an honest big deal, whether the coaches are going to be on the sideline or in the booth, especially, as you guys have alluded to, when you have the Titans who you don't know who their play caller is going to be. Where they put these guys could kind of hint to us who's doing what. And I was just thinking, like, I wonder if this is going to be a thing where like you know, we're you know, game two of the season you know, they they run an all out blitz or something on defense and some quarterback throws one over the top for a score. Are we then going to have to ask Vrabel like who called that play? <laughs> like who am I supposed to hold accountable for that? When I'm writing after the game?
2: That is I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Um yeah, in terms of the like being being in the booth or not, I, I think it's, I think Bone will be in the booth just because having one part of your defensive coordinator system on the field and then having another pair of eyes on top is just advantageous. We saw it work with Dean Pease. Uh, but I don't think him and Hazlitt are both going to be up there just because, I mean, your linebackers' coaches aren't usually in the booth, right? I feel like they're usually on the sideline actually coaching the linebacker. So, I I don't know. Uh, Like we said, this could be uh, a rare, weird situation. And I would love to get clarity on who's actually going to call the plays. Uh, Like you said, they probably don't even know. So they probably will never get that clarity, especially with Rabel, who's so tight-lipped and and secretive about everything.
0: I think the only thing we know is that Stretch, or whatever his name is, is supposed to be up there in the booth, right? Like. That's what well, Vrabel John, said something. he's
1: John Stretcher is not a coach. John Stretcher is Vrabel's personal assistant.
0: But, I mean, if if he's, like, I, I don't know the exact quote. I don't know if it was on midday. Well, off, I, I don't know what it was. When did this but, happen?
1: Because I can try to find
0: it. Uh, last week, I think. But uh, it was something to the effect of, you know, I, I might have him up there helping me because it was the first time I'd ever heard him mentioned Outside of, like, bussing with the boys or something. Like, it it was the first time I'd ever heard him, like, referred to as somebody who actually helps with part of the football game.
2: I mean, I see... I have no idea who that even is. I, (laughs) I, I, I see Stretch
1: all the time, but he's usually, like, running the music at practice or, like, making sure that Vrabel has, like, a water. Like, he's literally... Dwight Schrute to Mike Vrabel. I mean, not to, not to undermine John Stretcher, because you know this isn't a paper company. There's no this higher competition. This is running an NFL franchise, <laughs> but but John Stretcher doesn't make football decisions. Like he he, I don't want to like. I'm trying to describe what he does. Like,
0: well, it's not like it's not like he's like the head tra- Like, not necessarily this exact title, but it would be like if the head assistant at a law firm like was doing a legal brief. Like that's, a not, that's not their job. It's paralegal. Right. So it's it's one of those things where it's like I that's why it stood out to me. Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, maybe oh. that's something that I've made up. Maybe it's something I heard McGinnis say and it's not actually true. It was just him throwing like spitballing ideas. I don't remember where I heard it, but that that's something that stuck out to me is like that's weird, but it does give them enough bodies where they're supposed to have bodies because you should have all of your coaches, especially positional coaches, coaching the position like that. Like it sounds simple to say, but I mean that's that's a big part of their job. is saying like, okay, this is what I'm seeing you do. Like instead of going individually over the phone with you, let me just tell you what you should do next time. Let's see.
1: I I'm trying to see if there's a quote in the transcript from last week. I don't, I'm not finding
0: one. Maybe it's inside. Maybe I just broke that information. If that, if I'm the first <laughs> time anybody heard of this, and it happens, just uh, credit you, me as a source. Credit, please. Except
1: you just made it up. <laughs> yeah, it's credit me as a source if this is true, and then if it's not true, I heard it from a source. Like, I, we're gonna do this very quickly. I'm going to just search my inbox for stretch. Would you look much, at that? The, really, it worked. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank John Robinson and John Stretcher for setting up this building in a manner that's compliant with COVID nineteen protocols. <laughs> that's the quote that, sounds, that came
0: that's up. Such a weird shout out. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that, that's all I got. <laughs> I mean, I,
2: I, th- I thought we were gonna get an email for like a stretch cotton T shirt or something like that. Well, there's an I. It's <laughs>
1: it's S T S T R E I C H. Oh, I I, I do want to clarify, like, I'm not trying to undermine Stretch's job at all. He does a lot for the Titans. If you're a Titans fan, you should absolutely appreciate him because he makes life a lot easier for Mike Vrabel and he's kind of his right hand man. That's the job title. He's his right hand man. He just doesn't make football decisions. He's not a coach.
0: Yeah, he's he's Alexander Hamilton.
1: Yes, he is Alexander Hamilton. He's the right hand man. Okay, uh, let's move on to a, another topic. Th- that was fun to discuss, and I think it, it is really interesting to think about what all this is going to look like. I want to talk about Vic Beasley because this dude is on my last nerve. I never thought that a Titans <laughs> player could make me mad. Like I, I, I was just like, you know, they win, they win, they lose, they lose, whatever. Vic Beasley, I'm, I'm mad, and I don't know why. I think it's just like, so if you don't know, this dude misses 10 days of training camp. Still no explanation as to why this happened. Shows up. Presumably, he passes his COVID-19 tests. Uh, Vrabel was said on Tuesday, uh, Vic is on schedule to with everyone else, and we look forward to coaching him. Well, that's not going to happen, because on Tuesday afternoon, I received an email from the Titans saying that Vic Beasley failed his physical. He failed his physical and was then promptly placed on the NFI list, which if you don't know what that means, it stands for non-football injury, meaning he was hurt and it did not happen in a game or a practice. What is happening? Why is he still on the team? And I wrote this last week before this even happened. If they actually care about team first and let's put the team first and we want guys who are about the team, cut this dude. Get him out of there. Because not only is he not buying in, He's whatever the opposite of that is. This is madness at this point.
2: I kind of agree. This guy's just, he clearly doesn't care about football or the Titans or possibly himself also, because he clearly showed up out of shape or something or injured. I don't know what's going on. I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards him. This is clearly who he is and it's who he has been ever since he had that monster season Every single Atlanta Falcons fan will tell you the same thing because they all hate him, and this is probably why because it doesn't seem like he actually cares about his play, his performance, any of that, and I guess the only reason that he's still on the team is because we're that desperate for pass rush as we showed last season. Uh, but I just don't understand. I don't understand why we don't just go sign Clowney right now. That I know they don't even play the same position they can't play the same position although Clowney's probably going to play more in the interior he's well, not going to be they, like they play a the purely same position but they're a different master. style of player correct correct but i just just sign clowny get this over with just get rid of beasley like you said get rid of the negative energy no one needs negative energy especially in the in these trying times there's no need for him to be on the team and especially on a franchise that ever since John robinson got here the biggest thing he's preached is bringing in high character players who are going to do their job they're not going to complain they're not going to be a distraction and this guy's just been a distraction ever since i don't know ever till like three weeks ago it feels like forever ago but it, it's just not worth it right now
0: really weird um i don't <laughs> i don't want to say because you can't cut him like your whole, all the leverage you had was when he'd missed oh, all the oh, oh yes, you can just cut him. I mean, sorry, you can, but it's a waste of money, and it doesn't feel like it's the optimal but, solution. But they're like, not
1: gonna spend that money on anything though.
0: Who cares? Yeah, but I mean, they've already spent it on like a body. Like until you have like somebody. I mean, like if he's not good in camp, I'm sure they'll cut him. But like. I mean, I don't think they'll just let him sit on the bench and collect a paycheck and keep him around with negative energy. Like, I think there's a level of expectation there. But, I mean, all the leverage they had was when he wasn't showing up, they should have just said, look, you're in breach of contract. You haven't communicated with us. You're done. Take it up with the NFLPA if you want to, but we're moving on from you. And then if you have to cut him, you have to cut him, whatever. But at least you get a chance at, you know, getting get a comp pick and not having to spend that money. But it feels like now they've sort of admitted that he was okay doing whatever he did. And now they're here unless he suffered an injury doing that stuff that, you know, that's why he didn't the, sh- because that's the rumor is that with completely no information backing it up, but taking a, like very little logical leaps, you can say, okay, he was gone. Nobody knows where he was for like 10 days. He shows up and he didn't, passes physical it wasn't because he failed car like we don't know that it was because he failed conditioning he, we just know he failed his physical and now he's on the injured list so like you put all that together and it's like well that's either one of two things he's either not in shape or he's hurt and if he's hurt it would explain why he was just a wall and nobody's been able to talk to him is because he got hurt like Probably when he stopped posting on on social media, like, right before Fourth of July, he got hurt, and then he didn't tell anybody, and he showed up, and he got busted for it. Or he's just been eating ice cream and stuff, and, you know, he's 278, and they're going to have to use him as the sub-package defensive tackle. Either way... it, nobody involved can be happy with this except for Beasley because he gets to collect a paycheck and he's done none of the things he's supposed to do to this it's crazy, point. So, crazy, crazy yeah, how that I mean, works.
1: Here's the thing. It's, yeah, well, you mentioned like you know we don't have an explanation of where he was. If there was a good one, we would have heard it by now, guys. Like, I'm tired. I. I this is not a. I, I'm. I'm. I'm out of benefit of the doubt with this. Like we talked two weeks ago about. Is it because the relative died and he went to a funeral? Um, I was texting with someone last week who who hinted that that might have been a a meat shield for whatever is really up. If there was a good explanation, the agent would have given it to Schefter or Rappaport or just tweeted it himself, as some agents do. Or Vic Beasley would have tweeted it or the Titans would have put it out. But, But because there is no explanation, again, we use logic on this show logic says that whatever the explanation is is not a good one and that explanation may simply be he didn't want to come he was relaxing at the house you know i don't know but uh, i it, this is it is so weird like this is not a john robinson player and, and i was i was talking to someone today who's uh, not really a sports fan uh, just explaining the situation to him because it it is Gone beyond sports in terms of a conversation you can have about all that has happened with Vic Beasley. And I just, I was explaining to this friend of mine. I was like, you know, the Titans have have prided themselves on a very tight knit locker room. That you know, it's not really any me guys. It's all about the team, and they have such a great culture, and that's why I think they they were really good last year. And I'm like, and this guy is nothing like that. And so, I mean. I don't know what number chance this would be, but goodness gracious, this is—it's—it's—it's
0: it's well, si- silly. I, I mean, did something. we talk about the conspiracy theories yet? Like the big conspiracy theory about uh, Tuesday, which is that the NFL announced uh, that you can have people in for a visit and. Uh, like a free agents and you can get going through workouts and all that. The Titans put him on NFI and they also cut Reggie Gilbert on the same day. Like all very suspicious timing for it all happened within 30 minutes of each other. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're any closer to Clowney to Tennessee, but it is really weird that they basically vacated two edge positions on the same day that it was announced that you can officially have people come in to try out. Well, that is a conversation worth having. The, the notion that the uh,
1: the ban has been lifted on tryouts, so you know maybe that means something will start happening finally with Clowney. Who knows? But uh, this Beasley stuff is—I don't know how. I, they're... I, surely they are tired of this.
2: I I think something uh, kind of like adjacent to this, but a little bit off topic, I think not being able to bring in the free agents during the free agency period. I think like that hurt this signing. I don't know if this signing happens, if John Robinson actually meets with him in person and gets like a feel for him, because I mean, I assume they met, uh, over like zoom, whatever, but you can't really tell who a person is until you actually meet him person and you actually put them through a tryout and all that. And like this might be a situation where the coronavirus like actually made John Robinson take uh, like a, a chance on someone he usually wouldn't because we already had all the reports about Beasley, about his work ethic and all of that. And it was kind of surprising to even see the time sign him in the first place. And now that all of this is coming out, it's it's just it's baffling.
0: So real quick. Uh, do you remember my theory that uh, – which, how could you? There's so many. Um, <laughs> do you remember my theory that everybody John Robinson has signed is only one degree removed from him? So uh, they signed Saffold last year. Well, you know, uh, Lafleur Le coached Fleury. him when yeah. he was in L.A. And it's been like that with every free agent signing they've had. So – What's you know, the connection Cameron, here? The agent. That's that's the only thing I can ah, think is yeah maybe that maybe there was nobody in for visits and he said look I can send you a bit. like this this part's conjecture but whatever any other person that's been connected to a free agent in the past says but something like you know I know you know you know me this is my client too like I represent him he's great you know they're saying unfair things about him I vouch for him I'm your agent I wouldn't lie to you. And the Titans got sold a bill of goods, which we've said before, but I think John Robinson has people around him that he trusts. And then he trusts, he trusts getting information from as close to the source as you can. And I think instead of going after somebody in free agency, he said, you know, let's sign Beasley because this guy says he's good. And he's got a lot of experience with him. That's the only thing I can think. Cause it's not really a Titans signing. Like, they don't yeah. really sign guys who are mediocre and kind of don't. I, I don't know because I don't really know what his role on the team will be because they lied the same way they lied when they signed Cameron Wake, which they say, "Oh, he's going to be a starter." You know, we're not bringing him in to just rush the passer. Cut to the regular season and he just rushes the passer. Like that's that's what I think Vic Beasley does for the Titans this year. But the only way I can see this making sense with every other move that Robinson's ever made is, you know. This is the one guy. I know he vouches for him. Let's bring him in.
2: It's all Dude, very we need, strange. We need an edge. Like, we have four well, edges on the team right now. So, I want to talk about that. When one we of them has back. never yeah, played I,
1: I a snap. talk Luke just
0: did something on this. Yeah. I
1: want to talk about that when we come back from the break. I, I did just write something about this on, on Tuesday. Uh, it was something where when I said, it, it's one of those things where I set out. I was like, I want to write about the pass rusher. So, I asked him questions and in press conferences about the edge rush, and I think about it. And when I sat down to write it, I found myself more and more convinced, like, well, maybe they're not as bad as I think they're going to be. And so we'll talk about why I believe that in just a second. First, you're going to hear a 30-second word from one of our sponsors, which if you listen to our show faithfully, you know is usually the same sponsor. Um, but you're going to get that 30-second ad that you faithful listeners have heard a bunch before, so stay tuned through that. Okay, so why I think that the Titans edge pass rushers uh, may be a little bit uh, better than maybe we think this year, or at least can be, And and I ended the article I wrote today with this quote. The Titans pass rushers, and I'm including interior guys, it's not just the edge guys. The Titans group of pass rushers is not so much a concern so much as a question mark. I think it is fair to say are they good enough? I don't know that it's necessarily fair to be like they're just not good enough. Because I really don't know. And I'm someone as if you listen to the show and you read my stuff, I'm I'm usually very definitive. I don't usually sit on the middle with a whole lot I, even when I will say things like, you know, could be or seems like it's typically essentially me saying that to to uh, make sure it's understood that that is my opinion, right? I, I'm kind of one side or the other with a lot of these things. I really don't know what the pass rushers, because he, here's what I know. Uh, you gain Vic Beasley. Best case scenario is he plays and has a major role on third downs. I, let's forget about clowning for a second. So who else do you have? Well, you have Harold Landry, who, though hasn't ever been great, has gotten the job done at times. And figures to probably take another step forward in year three and increase his production. You've also got Kamala Correa, who was really hot toward the end of last season. Uh, got a lot of sacks. You have Derek Roberson, who Will loves. Very athletic, young player. They cut Reggie Gilbert today. Uh, put him on the injured list, uh, which I thought was a bit of a surprise. I guess he got hurt or something. Um And then on the inside, you've got steady old Daquan Jones. You've got Laurel Murchison, the rookie, fifth round pick that I think is going to give him a lot. Uh, You did lose Jarrell Casey in the trade, which we've talked endlessly about. Maybe they're not really losing a ton with him. But then you have Jeffrey Simmons. And uh, I want to talk more about Simmons in particular in just a minute. But just looking at this group as a whole, especially with what a lot of people expect of Jeffrey Simmons and his improvement. I don't know. Like, it is a. It's certainly not a top-heavy group. There's not the guy, and and we could end this season, the 2020 season, saying you know maybe Landry becomes the guy, or maybe Jeffrey Simmons becomes the guy. But as things stand right now, there's not the guy. So, but but they are very deep. They have a variety. It's not just a bunch of fastballs. There's some changeups in there. There's some curveballs, some knuckleballs in there. So, I mean, what do we think about this group, guys?
2: I find it underwhelming. Uh, the I, th- biggest th- I think issue that was- is
1: a very accurate word to use. It is yeah. definitely yeah. underwhelming.
2: It's it's not terrible. But our biggest issue on defense towards the end of last year was the pass rush. We weren't getting to the quarterback uh, quickly enough. We weren't getting enough pressure on him, on whichever quarterback. And it ended up kind of hurting our back end because our back end just couldn't keep up with, with quicker receivers and we had a couple of injuries but you know other than that the, the the pass rush wasn't good either from the interior or on the edge and we just have not addressed it we yeah we signed Vic Beasley which was kind of a gamble because he's been so inconsistent throughout his career so it wasn't really like like a bombshell signing that you knew he was going to come in and just immediately make the pass rush better uh, S- Simmons taking another step and Landry taking another step surely would help, but they can't do it by themselves. And then we got rid of Casey, which you know me and Will have talked ad, ad nauseum that he had definitely lost a step, but he still could have contributed, you know, on passing downs if needed uh, this season. So it's just weird, man. Like I don't, I don't know if they feel very comfortable with what they have unless they think like DeAndre Walker is, is a a fifth round gem, which you know, it's possible Uh, if they think Isaiah Mack is going to be, take another step forward. Also, I I don't know. I don't know. This kind of reminds me of, of the receiver position, which for, for the last couple of years, they've just kind of disregarded it and be like, no, they'll, they'll be fine. and, they're not really fine. They don't really do anything. Uh, and it hasn't hurt the team because we don't pass enough. But on the defensive side of the ball, you can't just get away with having a average to – below average pass rush. It just doesn't work like that in this league.
1: I think that's a good point, Matias, because I think that the worst-case scenario for this group is that they equal – you remember the 2018 receiver group? We're talking two seasons ago because the 2019 crew really got the job done. That was Sharp, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Adam Humphreys. But that 2018 crew, when Sharp uh, dealt with an injury and was kind of in and out of the lineup, there's no A.J. Brown – An oft-injured Corey Davis. There was no Adam Humphreys, and so you know a lot of Taywan Taylor being involved in the offense. That was just a group where, going into the season, I remember writing about it going into the season, being like, "They they keep trying to convince us that this group is better than we think it is, but I just don't see it." and then got to the season and turned out we were all right. It it was very underwhelming, and people were clamoring for a trade for Golden Tate or Demarius Thomas midway through the season. That is – I'm not saying that's what's going to happen because it certainly may not. That's probably worst-case scenario for this group is you're halfway through the season and they're thinking, we really got to get another body because we can't get after the quarterback to save our lives.
0: Yeah, so – I looked it up. It's weird. The Titans were 13th in sacks, which is higher than I thought they would be. Um, but also, if you remember, like, a big problem that we had last year was that on they would get teams into third and 12, and then they would play that drop eight, you know, rush three. Yes. Like a zone blitz. blitz. Yeah, but without the blitz, so a yeah. zone nothing, and then like you play prevent defense and you allow a third and thirteen. So in other situations where other teams would blitz and put pressure on the quarterback, we just decided that we didn't like sacks. So,
1: they're, they're so 13, I, w- I don't even know if this is possible to look up. You say they're thirteen in sacks, but as you know, someone that watched every game they played a lot of those sacks came from inside backers and DBs who were blitzing. And so I would wonder, I don't know if this is possible to look up, but sacks from
0: the front four or the front five. So I can tell you right now, Landry had nine. Casey had five. uh, Wake had four, I want to say. And then Roberson had three. That's just off the top. Simmons had two. Isaiah Mack had one and a half. I'm, I'm looking up the exact numbers now, but those, those are the numbers off the top of my head. Uh, a lot of them were Logan Ryan. Um, right. If you stick with this, like, we're going to go
1: through all 32 teams and figure out how we're going to manually figure No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to break down.
1: Uh, okay.
0: I don't know why it's Blake Martinez. That was weird. Okay, so this is uh, Harold Landry 9, Kamalai Correa 5, which is weird, Drill Casey 5, then Ryan had 4.5, then Roberson 3, Cameron Wake 2.5, Rashawn Evans you know,
1: 2.5. The more you read, Will, those are all good numbers, especially for, as I said, it's a group where there's not a top guy. It's They try to get production out of a group. Those are all good numbers. So why is it that it felt like they could never get
0: any pressure on anyone?
2: Because they, cause, Cause sacks aren't really a pressure well, stat
0: yeah and because like you want to see sacks, like you want to see a sack on third down because that ends the drive like that's when you that's when everybody says can the pass rush get to the quarterback before he throws the ball and the titans chose so many times to try to force teams into you know third and 2 or fourth and 2 because they were so good in those short situations so they they didn't crank up the pressure like you know 2 years ago when they were blitzing Jayon Brown and when Casey was good and when you had, like, nothing from the edges, like, it still felt like the Titans' defense could get a pass rush, just none of it was coming from the players you expect. You know, Morgan and Arakpo weren't doing anything. So uh, the problem is they've been able to get pressure by blitzing, but because you've got guys like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, five of your top six Uh, people in terms of sacks are all are all edges or defensive tackles and the only one that's not is logan ryan like you're quote unquote getting to the quarterback with your edges you're you know you're not having to blitz anybody but because you don't blitz anybody you end up with you know you run all these stupid x stunts trying to get your guys up front free and mahomes boots around the corner and runs for 40 yards and a touchdown or you give up you know, Deshaun Watson sitting back in the pocket and picking you off. Like that, that's, that's the trade-off you make. So it doesn't feel like you have good pressure numbers because you don't, but your defense is still quote unquote effective. So I don't know. I mean, they, uh, the root of this whole question is, uh, you know, what about the edges and Kamala Correa looking at the stats, you know, we all know he finished a lot stronger than he started you've got Harold Landry, who we know how we all feel about everybody, then that's when your questions start. That's when you're, how good is Derek Roberson? Can he be anywhere close to that explosive? How good is DeAndre Walker? You know, if does Vic Beasley actually exist? And then Clowney. like Those, those are your big questions and kind of what we know about the players at the edge position.
1: Yep. As we close out this discussion about the edge rushers, because I do want to get to Jeffrey Simmons in particular, um, one to ten chances, just give me your number, one one to ten chances that when, when we sit down to record next week's episode, Jadeveon Clowney's a Titan.
2: 7%. Yeah, negative
0: one. Like <laughs> I'm just assuming he's not signing until October, because we'll see a report in a month from now, and it'll be like, Reports are that Clowney's in no rush to sign. Like he may sign near his favorite holiday, Halloween. Like we'll see some stupid quote <laughs> like that, and he just won't sign. I think
2: so, I think he'll sign before the season, but like right before the season,
0: he'll sign before the Thursday night game. It'll be the Wednesday yeah. before the Thursday. night. He won't be COVID. Tested.
1: If he's gonna sign here, he already knows Vrabel and Shane Bowen, so it's not like it's really a steep learning curve.
2: I think it's. It's so logical for him to sign here that he's not going to sign here. That's usually how it works.
0: That is usually Correct. how it works. That, that's exactly. like I feel like there's been all this talk about how he wants to go to a contender, and I feel like he's going to end up in Miami Jets. or something like that. I was going
2: to say Jets.
0: Yeah, like one of these I mean, dumb teams. That reminds
1: team. me of when Mike Daniels, the defensive lineman, was cut by the Packers, and everyone's was like, he wants to go to a contender, and then he went to Detroit.
2: Is that where he just signed?
0: Uh, this this was last year cincinnati but yeah oh he
2: he went to detroit last year yeah i had no idea he went to detroit oh my god he played there last year i think he got hurt didn't he i don't know he must have been really bad
0: yeah he got old quick as all defensive tackle do defensive tackles do as we've learned (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of defensive tackles, great segue, Will. We're going to talk about Jeffrey
1: Simmons. Last week, I called Jeffrey Simmons. I said he was going to be the most disappointing Titans player just because of how high the expectations are for him. I think he's going to be good. I don't know that he's going to be that good. I will say this about Jeffrey Simmons. Listening to him talk in his Zoom press conference, whatever whatever you want to call it, on Monday, he mentioned... A couple of things that really kind of pert my ears up. Number one is he said that he slimmed down. I think he said he's lo- he's going to play 10 pounds lighter this year than he played last year, and it was all fat that he cut off. It's not like he added you know, muscle or anything. He just cut off 10 pounds of fat. Uh, and that typically means, right, uh, you're leaner, you're more agile, you're a little little twitchier, quicker. Uh, so that's big news. But also, uh, Koharski asked him a question and said something along the lines of, were there times last year when you would watch film and, like, you know, you almost got to the quarterback or you almost made the tackle in the run game and you just thought to yourself, like, man, if I if my knee was just right, I know I would have blown that up. And Simmons said, absolutely. There were times where I would watch film last year and be like, that's not me. Like, I don't know who that is. He said, and now... He said, "And now that I'm fully recovered from this, I can't wait." And so, I'm not—I'm still not fully on board with this dude is going to come in and be the second coming of Gerald Casey. You know, let's wait and see. However, after hearing those comments, I am certainly more tuned into that and more of a believer than I was when I made the comments I did last week.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I was kind of surprised to see that he only had two sacks last year. But granted, he only played. Uh, in nine games, but it is so difficult to come back from these types of injuries um, and being one more year removed from it. It's just it's it's a godsend for these guys just because they can actually trust their their knee, you know, and it's it's so crucial, especially on the defensive line, because you're you're using you're getting all of your power from it and you're cutting your swim moves, all of that. It's it's through your lower body and just through your legs and your knees. And it's just, it's crucial for him to finally feel totally comfortable with it and finally get all the strength back in it. Uh, Because when, I mean, when you have an ACL injury, all of the muscles around it, around the knee, you know, you have to work that back up also. And it's just such a long process for everything to finally get back to normal. And for you to actually be able to get stronger in that area of your body and being two years removed from that, uh, shedding weight like you said he has getting a year older he's only what 23 right now I mean he's so young and the potential is just sky high especially uh, given the glimpses that we saw last year that were just really really encouraging
0: yeah he's he is very 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 good like if you listen to any of our podcasts and stuff before he got drafted or after he got drafted, I was not a fan. Like I, like I try to give this disclaimer every time. So it's not like a Harold Landry situation where it's a guy that I was high on before and who's shown a lot of good things. Like Simmons is so strong. Like you can see a very clear difference when he locks his arms out. And when every other defensive lineman locks his arms back or arms out, because you can see the shoulder pads of the offensive lineman, like snap back go. I mean, Go watch any goal line stand after he starts playing in the season, and you can tell where he is at the first, like after the first step. It's, you know, you know. Well, uh, as much as we're
1: around athletes, you know, you're a season ticket holder, and I'm, you know, at at practices and go to the games too. It's hard, I imagine, because it's this way for me to like be impressed by someone physically. Like they're just like we're just used to seeing what an NFL player looks like. But when I saw Simmons for the first time, I was like. Oh, my goodness.
0: Like, what is this? Like, what yeah, is this thing? It yeah, it's like, it's like oh, that's like a weird drawing that somebody made because they saw a person one time. Like, he doesn't look like a normal human. And you're like, why are his arms so long and he's so wide, but he's not fat somehow? Like, yeah. it, it's really weird.
2: That's it's the like, thing. Like, how does he weigh 300 pounds? He looks like he weighs like 350. It must be all muscle. It's the he and
0: lewand. He and LeJuan both – I was about to say Taylor. Like, I was about to yeah, say Taylor. like they're both so big, so long-limbed, and then there's times where they look skinny next to like Quentin Spain or Jarrell Casey, but then like you see them hit somebody and you're like, that force doesn't come from somebody who looks that lean. And then you see him do a close-up and you realize he's a head taller than everybody else on the field. And you're like, what is going on? Like Taylor one
1: and I noticed this, especially – uh, back when he used to swap out with Dennis Kelly, sometimes when he was getting hurt a little bit, Taylor Wan is built extraordinarily well for to play left tackle. Like, I'm not going to comment on his talent, which I obviously think is immense, but just in terms of the body composition, if I was building a left tackle out of clay, I would start with Taylor Wan's size and
2: body composition. It's perfect. Yeah. He's like what six seven. 3'10", 3'15". And it's no, no muscle. Fat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's jacked. unbelievable.
0: Like, I mean, you like, you listen to it, like, the reason why I can say this with full confidence is because he talks about it all the time, but, like, you listen to the stuff he talks about, like, the changes he made in his diet and sleep and kind of all that stuff trying to really, like, go from being a college kid to an adult and a dad. Like, it, like hit the changes he's made, and in the meantime, he has the best the RAS score, like the relative athletic score of any offensive tackle in history. Like, so like when you take his body weight and you look at how he competed in the combine for his body weight, he did better than pound for pound, did better than any other offensive tackle in history. So like, it's, it's really good that you get that guy. And he also happens to be 305, 310 pounds. <laughs> and he's actually tried to do better since then. Like that, like, so it is it is impressive to see he, it makes me wonder what Simmons would have tested like at the combine if he was fully healthy because surely his his lower body strength scores would have been off the charts because you can't generate that kind of power with just your upper body
1: mm. you're right I mean he's it is he's such a freak athlete
0: um okay
1: you know I, there are a couple of topics we're, we're getting close to the hour mark. I'm gonna save some of these topics for next week. I mean, I wanted to talk about AJ Brown a little bit. I wanted to talk about position battles, but I think we might just tease those for next week. We're we're finally at the time where we have more to talk about than we can cover in one episode. Like, how fun is that?
2: Feels feels good, man. Especially after you know those April May months. That, oh gosh, there, well,
1: there are yeah. a couple times we were sitting around before we recorded, and we were like, "So what are we talking about?" It's like I don't know. We're just, we're, we'll just yeah, yeah. And see what happens.
2: Post-draft was, was rough. It, was, it yeah. was rough for sure. Yeah,
0: it's just staring into a chasm. <laughs>
2: yes. Um, let, let's get to, uh, to
1: Stop the Nonsense, um, where we share our nonsense. It started out when we started this podcast a year ago of like sports world nonsense, but it has extended at times, sometimes often, to outside the sports world. Mine for today is outside the sports world. Um, who would like to start today's segment?
2: I can I can go first. I'll uh, I'll start with my my good guy, Deion Sanders, who is just he sucks, man. Like He, <laughs> he, he sucks as a person. So recently he tweeted. Uh, I'll just read it out word for word. All players opting out in all sports, please believe the game will go on without you. This is a business, and don't you ever forget that. There's no one that's bigger than the game itself. He tweeted Only that? The, yeah, he tweeted Only the ref, umps, and officials are that important that you can't play without them. Not you. Hashtag truth. First of all, that's not true. We played with replacement refs, so that's... that's Well, not, they, not they played with air quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, well, you know, it happened anyway. Anyway, this guy's the worst. He essentially said that the <laughs> players mean absolutely nothing, and he's shaming them for taking priority of their health and the health of their loved ones, given that we're actually in a pandemic. And he's the worst, man. He's been one of the worst analysts on TV, in any sport, in any any category of of news, anything, he's, he's terrible. I don't know why they keep giving jobs to him. I don't know why they keep giving jobs to so many ex-players who just aren't. They're not good on TV. They don't actually provide analysis. Uh, and it really frustrates me because it takes away a lot of opportunities from communications professionals who are really good – Maybe they didn't play in the past, but they know what they're talking about. They can convey their thoughts in, you know, an eloquent manner, and they don't get jobs because people like Deion Sanders uh, are chosen over them for absolutely no reason other than they're a big name. So that's that's my stop mm-hmm. the nonsense and also my, uh, my vent of the day.
0: <laughs> that's good. Like, he— his off reputation for a long time
2: so oh he's, sorry he's all, he left NFL network by the way yeah
1: he's also yeah, progressively it, gotten worse like I remember I used to watch he and Chris Rose's show on Sunday nights and it was okay like it was just him talking about the games of that day it wasn't like very hot takey or anything and I kind of enjoyed his analysis but that was probably four or five years ago and then over time it's just gotten and you know the Kevin Byard just a fan thing happened and, oh, yeah, yeah. And
2: also, know, yeah. You know, Michael Irvin's next by the way sorry oh, to my gosh. Like, UN, I like Michael UN. Irvin <laughs> I found this ah. we have fouls by both teams
1: during the kick we have illegal shift by the kicking team after the kick the other rep is yelling both on the kicking team <laughs> then after
0: the kick, we have a 15-yard penalty. Chosen to re-kick, five-yard
1: penalty. Did you write that down? <laughs> now, that was Mike Mayock who made the smart-aleck comment as the commentator. And the coaches in this game were Bill Belichick and Tom Coughlin.
2: Oh, my God. Oh. What an absolute I love that Mike clip.
0: Man. Okay, Will, you want to go? Yeah, so... Uh mine's pretty simple. Like I, I think I'm pretty fair on Logan Ryan. Like he's he's a good corner if you know what you're doing with him, which is you need to blitz him and you need to use him in run support. Like that's his job. It came out Monday that he was starting to pick oh, himself as a safety.
1: I wish and, I had picked this one.
0: Yeah, like it's such. So he pitched himself as a safety, and his agent was sending around numbers of stats from last year that he had gotten versus every other safety in the NFL. But the problem is that that's not the position he played last year. (laughs) So you get these numbers where he compares him to every starting safety on all thirty-two teams, and it lists you know games played, solo tackles, assisted tackles, total tackles, sacks, pass defended, interception, forced fumbles. And you look at all these numbers and they look really impressive until you realize that that's not his job. Like, again, it would be like if you moved a defensive end to linebacker and you were like, sure, like he doesn't have the tackle numbers, but look at all these tackle for losses and sacks. And it's like, yeah, that's his job. Like, You can't move a skill set over like you can't move, you know, AJ Brown to tight end and say he would have been the best tight end of all time last year. Like you can't just because they have some of the same stats doesn't mean that you can use that versus the other position. And it's insane to me that Rappaport tweeted it out and didn't give any context. I mean, obviously, it was just an agent told him post this, and he said, "Yes, sir." Yeah, and he said, yes, he, yeah, he, and said "He said <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, sir," and uh, <laughs> and good for him. But like he said, you know, free agent Logan Ryan views himself as a safety rather than a cornerback. Although he has also said that he wants $10 million a year to play corner. But anyway, uh, and then he says, To that end, his agent emailed all 32 teams uh, the top free safety stats and asked them to compare his production. An interesting discussion, to be sure, as one of the top free agents looms. <laughs> like, we're at that time of year where it's pretty clear that agents are starting to push their people's names out there. And I like Logan Ryan, but it is nonsense to push him as a safety after he wanted to be a corner all year. All offseason, he wanted $10 million to be his starting price, and that's all we heard from him, and now it's one of these, oh, wow, actually, now that now that I hear it from the agent, he could be an amazing safety. Somebody better jump on him before everybody else does. It's the stats
1: thing is what gets me. Not this change to safety, like that makes sense in itself, yeah, that's but the stats idea, to, but, to be like, yeah. I played a different position and have more points than all y'all. I mean, it, it, it would be like, a, a like a striker in soccer like switches to playing like a back, like a defender, and he's like I am the high scoring defender yeah, of all That's time. exactly what it is.
2: That's exactly what it is. Oh my or it's like Cordero Patterson uh showing off his yards per carry. Easy now uh, switching Easy the now. running. Tennessee alum
0: Cordero Patterson. The pride of the Vols.
1: Kevin Byard switches to quarterback and shows off his perfect career passing <laughs> yeah, That's I mean, Yeah, him and Kern.
0: Um,
1: so my, my stop the nonsense. Uh, I, I was shopping at Walmart today, and I was shopping in Murray County, Tennessee, which is one of the few counties in Tennessee that does not have a mask mandate. Uh, so I, I, apparently – I can't confirm this because I haven't actually read reports, but I do know that, like, two weeks ago, Walmart announced they were mandating masks in all of their stores nationwide. And then, like, apparently a week later, like, because of not the backlash, but because of, like, harassment happening within the stores, they had to turn it back to being a suggestion. And so as I was walking into Walmart today, I had to uh, get new glasses, and so I was carrying my prescription in there. Uh, There's a greeter standing at the door, and he can't. Force you to wear a mask. He can't be like you know. If you're not going to wear a mask, you can't enter the store. Uh, so they they just kind of have him there to like try to guilt people. So I, I have my mask on. So I'm walking in. This guy behind me, and and when I tell you what this person said, how you were picturing him is exactly how this man looked. Uh, the the greeter said, "Sir, do you have a mask?" And this man goes. No, uh, and I'm not going to, uh, cause that's illegal. What? I guess he was trying to protect his constitutional right to something. I don't know. And look, th- this isn't me getting on like a soapbox being like, you know, wear your mask, love your neighbor. Because like, I think there are situations where wearing a mask is appropriate. I also think there are situations where it might be appropriate to not wear one. If you're safe or, you know, with people that you've, already been around like time and place for everything right i'm not gonna sit here and yell politics at you i will say this though like this weird resistance that some people have and i'm not even gonna label this as like a political party or anything because it's everyone like protecting rights that you probably don't actually care about like this man who's like what he meant when he said no nah, because that's illegal was like you're infringing on some sort of right of mine I don't really understand that. And obviously, like, you know, we have constitutional rights. We need to protect those rights. But I've never understood, like, this whole notion of, like, I'm not going to do what you told me, not because I think it is a bad idea, but simply by the virtue that it is my right not to. That just logically, because I'm, I'm a very logical person. That's how I think. and That's how I attack life. It just has never really made sense to me. But like comments like that, I had only seen on like TikTok and on videos on Twitter, but I saw it in real life today, and it just—I kind of chuckled to myself, and I wanted—I I was tempted to be like, "Sir, what do you mean by that? Like, no, nah, that's illegal." Yeah, also, it's like
2: give me more information. Isn't it like mandatory to wear a mask in places now? Not in Murray County, places. Tennessee. It is not. Oh, okay. okay, never mind then. In, in My Davidson point is, is, is destroyed.
0: Which is, well, where Nashville it, it is, it is it is it is almost everywhere else.
2: Almost everywhere else, yeah. uh Just wear a mask. It's not that difficult, man. You, you can breathe. It. it please, just yeah. Especially wear a mask.
1: like like I can understand like if you're going to be doing something for a long period of time, like making a fuss about it, because that is tough. And I have lung problems, and it is tough for me. But like walking into the grocery store for like half an hour to pick up food like calm down
0: yeah I mean it's it's really not I mean I I guess I'll be aggressive about it it's not hard like just wear a mask like whatever you're making up about your lungs or it's hard for you to breathe it's not you're just being a baby just like if you have a medical condition and you don't you really can't wear it then don't go out like you don't need to be out anyway you need to be in a bubble like you don't need to be outside
1: I was, in, I was in Nashville today, and I went to a bookstore, McKay's. We've talked about that before, Will. Uh, the big, giant yep. used bookstore. Uh, <laughs> and I thought they had a pretty nifty thing because, like, a lot of these places, because, you know, I, I, you, you learn when you, when you take debate or you do debate that one of the things you have to have with a policy, if you're wanting a policy to be enacted, is you have to be able to enforce it. And so that's what a lot of these people, it's like, Okay, we're gonna have a you know a mask mandate, but how are we gonna enforce that? You know, are we really gonna fine people for not wearing masks? We don't really want to do that. It was a sign at the the checkout counters of, of McKay's, I picked up a, a few CDs and it said, If you are not wearing a mask, we will not check you out. I'm like, Well, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I, th- I like, think that's and, that's the way to enforce should get- it. That-
0: yeah, people should get fined, by the way. Like, it should cost you money to be stupid. Like, I, I <laughs> believe that in every aspect of life. Like, I mean, I, I mean, what's what's the downside to it? Like, And I don't, I don't want to get on a whole big like you should wear a mask spiel. Tune in like, next
1: week as we break down Vice President Biden's decision to make Kamala his running mate. No, I'm kidding.
0: The vice <laughs> president's vice president. The vice uh, president's
1: the VP's VP.
0: Yeah, gross. She needs
1: to wear. She needs to go to a rally, like wear that on a T-shirt. The VP's VP. God. I, I, <laughs> no, no. Will, no Will now Will now hates himself for coming up with that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh man. Well, uh, that's gonna do us for this week. Uh, next week we'll have actual like practice videos to talk about and happenings from practice. And I'm hoping because. As we know, uh, as those of you who follow A to Z Sports know Buck Rising has the coronavirus, so he will be MIA for the first little bit of training camp. Uh, But myself and Austin, Sandley and Zach Bingham will be there on and off. And I gave you a 1 to 10 scale. What are the chances they sign Clowney? What do you think are the chances as we close, guys, 1 to 10, that one of the three of us, or really, let's just say any media member, sees physically with their eyes Vic Beasley, by the time we next record our podcast. And it it can be like he's just on the sideline not participating because he's injured. What do you think are the chances that I actually or anybody actually physically lays eyes on this man?
2: Not not very high. Probably a better chance. Uh, He just quits the team before then, so... I think you have a
0: better chance of seeing Clowney than these Yeah, yeah. So whatever you want to rank, I think what's going to happen is they're going to keep him shuttered up, and then you'll see him peek out through the like window every now and then, and then he'll duck away, and then they're going to start taking pictures of him on the practice field, and then they're going to float him in with the rest of the pictures, but in reality it's going to be three hours after everybody's done practicing just him by himself. <laughs> like a, so I like, guess like like
1: That's like, have you seen the movie Wag the Dog?
0: no is it's it about like, vic beasley skipping camp
1: <laughs> it's about a uh, like the the premise is like the president has uh got himself involved in a sex scandal a few days before the election and so he hires this spin artist to like distract the media until after the election and they do it by like creating a fake war with albania it's really funny very very irreverent but it's it's really funny Uh, but that that just reminded me of that like the Titans hire a spin doctor to make it look like Vic Beasley's been been doing his job there we
0: go or just that screenwriter like any anybody to make it seem like Vic Beasley hasn't screwed up this entire I don't know last seven months
1: and on that note that glorious note because it's true uh, we will close out and bid you farewell until next week for Matias and Will I'm Luke reminding you and everyone in the sports world to stop the nonsense